First of all, what is CONCACAF? CONCACAF is UEFA. When the FIFA Club World Cup started, it was the CONCACAF Champions League winner, the Asian Champions League winner, the African Champions League winner, UEFA Champions League winner. And they put, yeah, the biggest gap that we have in this country in the soccer landscape is a lack of a women's league. You are now listening to the MVP podcast where we explore the business of sports. My name is Courtney. And I'm Jimmy. And on this episode, we talk to the manager of business development with the Canadian Premier League's Forge FC. As somebody who knows nothing about soccer, this conversation was highly engaging. Our guest broke down what the CONCACAF Champions Cup is. We talked about the Canadian Premier League and we dove into what Canada needs to do to take the next step to becoming a soccer nation. With so many people coming into Canada from different walks of life, this conversation is for you if you're excited about the future of soccer in Canada. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Tom Walker. Okay, so Jimmy, what do you know about the CONCACAF Champions Cup? Yo, first of all, I was trying to make sure I pronounced it properly when I was doing my research. So I know nothing. All right. I know FIFA World Cup, MLS, UEFA League. Mm. That's a great start. I think that's it. Like, I yeah. know there's like European leagues and then, you know, different leagues in, in Europe and stuff like that, like in Africa and stuff like that. But I don't know anything about mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, we brought our uh, resident expert over here to help break down a little bit about the Canadian football scene. And I, by football, I mean, you know, proper football, soccer. Um, and that's Tom Walker here from Forge FC, my guy. And we're going to talk about a little bit about CONCACAF Champions Cup because uh, just recently they had the draw to see where the teams were going to be placing that. There's a few Canadian teams who are going to be playing in this uh, North American championship tournament. It's like all the best teams in North America. You mentioned the UEFA League, similar type of thing, but this is our version. So far be it for me to explain. Tom, why don't you give us like the Coles notes on what, first of all, what is CONCACAF? And then secondly, what is the CONCACAF Champions Cup? Yeah, sure. So CONCACAF is UEFA, right? So CONCACAF is the body for all the clubs in Central and Northern America, right? So when you talk about UEFA, that is for Europe, uh, then there's one for Asia, there's one for South America, Africa, etc. And then you're spot on, Courtney, I'm super proud of you. Like the CONCACAF Champions Cup is the UEFA Champions League for our region. And when I say our region, I'm talking North and Central America. So UEFA Champions League, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man City, uh, PSG, Bayern Munich, all these teams, you basically just copy and paste that with a few weird quirks because the Northern and Central American soccer scene is like nothing I've ever seen before in my life. It's so quirky and different, it's, it's wild. But yeah, copy and paste it over here. And, and essentially that's the tournament. Okay. And so there's 27 teams that play in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Yeah. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of teams, but what's the format of this? I believe there's five rounds or something like that. And it's not like the NBA playoffs where it's best of seven and you advance all the way through and then you have the finals. 
Um, what's the structure of it? And where do all of these teams come from? Does each country enter one team, two teams? Like, how's the breakdown of this tournament? This is a lot to unpack. So uh, basically, in terms of representation, um, the bulk of it goes to US and Mexico. They have the highest standards. They have the most money in their leagues. They have the most prestige in their leagues. So the bulk of it goes towards them. Um, and spots are given out on merit. So winning a league, winning a tournament, um, qualifying for, by winning your conference or something like that. And then when you come down uh, to kind of the next level down, you'll get teams from Central America that have won their respective leagues, they've won their respective tournaments, and they get to represent their country within the CONCACAF Champions Cup. There are buys. So, for example, let's use Inter Miami and Leo Messi. I feel like that's the most kind of uh, famous example we've got in this region. So, Inter Miami won a tournament, right? They get a buy into the second round by winning that tournament mm -hmm. because MLS and, you know, the American system and the tournaments they have are held in higher prestige than our beloved Canadian Premier League because our Canadian Premier League is so much younger it doesn't have the ranking that MLS competitions have. So us and other nations uh, on a similar level have to enter at the first round. Um, Miami only get one by, so they're in the second round and then they still have to go through uh, the quarters, the semis and the final. But yeah, the first round, well, every round up until the final is a home and away leg. So mm -hmm. the lowest ranked team hosts first, and then the heavier ranked team, the higher ranked team, I should say, they will host second. And then it's an aggregate score, including away goals. So for those of those listening and watching that don't understand away goals, it basically means that an away goal almost counts for two. So it, 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 it's an old rule that UEFA actually got rid of, but CONCACAF have kept it in. It's supposed to encourage attacking play on the road rather than teams go in there for a nil-nil, for a zero-zero, for a low-scoring game to then beat them at home. It's to encourage, it's risk versus reward, right? You go after the team a bit more on the road, you get a couple of goals, the tie is virtually dead. Mm, okay, wow. So I feel like there's so many questions that I have. <laughs> All right, Inter-Miami, they had a poor regular season because Messi joined halfway through the year. So... Correct. Because the MLS, like you mentioned, older league, more prestige, the team that won their playoff tournament was able to get into the CONCACAF Champions Cup. But then they also had other folks. Inter Miami, they won the League's Cup. League's Cup, yeah. That was basically, it's a it's like a in-season tournament between MLS and Liga MX, the Mexican League, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so you don't need me on. You know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm a journalist, baby. I got <laughs> I, I study my stuff. But so in Canada, we had. Well, I shouldn't say in Canada. I should say in the Canadian Premier League, we had two teams that made it: our beloved Forge FC, mm -hmm. and Forge won the CPL final in dramatic fashion. And we, we we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But that got them into CONCACAF Champions Cup. And then also Cavalry from Calgary 
are also in because they won the regular season. This is not something that really exists in like football or basketball. So can you explain why would like how is it possible for someone to win before the playoffs even start? Like what is that? And and do they do that in the rest of the world as well? Like a regular season champion? Yeah. This is very, very like in the biggest leagues. So when you think about the biggest leagues in the world in soccer, you immediately look at Europe, you look at England, Italy, Germany, France, Portugal, Spain, like those kind of uh those kind of leagues. It it doesn't happen, right? They play 38 games or whatever it is. The champion at the end is the winner. And in the Premier League, for example, the top four get a Champions League spot because you finished in the top four of one of the best leagues in the world. And now, there's no playoffs. There's no playoffs. Some of the more development leagues that are trying to break the mold, so the Belgian League, for example, great example. The Belgian League is trying to be more famous, be more cool, like have more eyes on it, be a bit different. They have playoffs because they're trying to break the mold and offer something different to the... I'm from England. I never, ever, until I came to Canada, I never knew or realized that teams settle a season with playoffs. Now I I watch hockey. I am immersed in Canadian soccer. I get it now. But like, it's just not a thing over there. But over here, there's a big kind of argument between the regular season, the European model. I finished top after X amount of games. We are the best team. And also the playoffs, right? So it's exactly the same as, as hockey winning your division and then having a Stanley Cup champion. It's because it's soccer and because it's so relatable to the European leagues, there is more of an emphasis on the regular season. Now, however, whilst playoffs are, are a thing and whilst they exist, that will be the ultimate prize. But the second Champions Cup spot that Cavalry, who won the regular season, obtained, that was the CPL rewarding them with a spot at the highest level of soccer that we have to offer in this region for an outstanding regular season. Yeah, and I guess there's a lot of merit because you have to play 30 games, 30 plus games to for win sure. the regular season. So it's a it's a larger sample size. So I can understand why people would give that uh, some credence. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that like kind of rounding it out kind of questions on Champions Cup is the winner gets a berth into the FIFA Club World Cup. Is that is that right? Yeah, and your and your timing is is impeccable because uh, FIFA recently announced that this thing is basically going to expand like crazy. So when the FIFA Club World Cup started, it was the CONCACAF Champions League winner, the Asian Champions League winner, the African Champions League winner, UEFA Champions League winner, and they put them in a, a four, five, six team tournament. Wasn't watched by many people. The European team, 99 times out of 100, always wins. No one really cares, including the teams that are out there. Manchester City are playing in it right now. And you'd be hard-pressed to find that many people who really care about it. Um, So now... It happens at the same time as Champions League? Yeah, so, so they're taking a break from their Premier League play. Right. And they are, I believe it's in Saudi Arabia right now. And they just played the Aurora Red, Aurora Red Diamonds. It's a bit of a tongue twister. 
they're the Asian Champions League winners from Japan. They just played them and beat them 3-0 to advance to the final. So, like, this tournament is going on, but not many people know about it, and FIFA want to get it to, Jimmy, as you referred to at the top of the show, the FIFA World Cup is what everybody knows, and FIFA want this tournament with club teams from all around the world to have the same prestige, and this is our first step in making it a bigger tournament with bigger rewards. So, yes, the winner of the CONCACAF Champions Cup, let's say that's Forge FC, in some insane reality, uh, uh, they would go on and represent our region at this prestigious tournament against whoever wins, you know, against Real Madrid, for example. Oh, yeah. So is, is the FIFA club, uh, the FIFA club what? FIFA club? World Cup. World Cup. Oh, that's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's just the World Club. It's the World Cup with clubs instead yeah. of countries. I, that that would confuse a a non soccer fan or a non football fan. But is this like a is this a yearly tournament? Because like so the World this, Cup is normally like every four years, right? Unbelievable question. Yeah, they want to do it every year. Um, I don't think that's finalized from the press release that I read the other day. But all the you know third party articles seem to think that it's it's a yearly thing that they want to do. It, it is right now. But it's six teams, and they want to get it up to like thirty. So, mm. yeah, wow. that could be that could be pretty wild because you know a big topic in soccer right now, especially at the highest level, is player burnout. The amount of football these guys have to play is is insane. The travel. So on one hand, yes, they want to you know bring the biggest tournament to more African teams and to more Asian teams and all this stuff, but. You know, player welfare is also kind of on the other side going, hey, hang on, the hamstring can only take so much, you know? Right, right. So what's a standard season look like? I know it's different from around the world, but let's just say, you know, in let's say Forge FC, okay? Yeah. They're they're the home hometown team where we're at. Regular season games and then tournament games. I, I, like, what does their calendar look like? Yeah, so our calendar for next year, let's let's have a look at next year. So we're going to play in the Canadian Premier League, right? We're going to play a regular season. We're going to play uh, 14 home games, and we're going to play 14 away games. We're going to play each team in the league twice at home, twice away. Then, hopefully, we will make the playoffs. We'll have a playoff campaign, and we will try and win the Canadian Premier League. So that's competition number one. Number two, we've spoke about this quite a lot, the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Now, I love Forge. I believe in the Canadian product, but we have an incredibly tough tie in the first round. So that could be over pretty quickly. It could be two games. Uh, so that's the second tournament we'll be in. And then the third is the Canadian Championship. So the Canadian Championship, also the winner gets a berth into CONCACAF Champions Cup. Now, this is between MLS teams, Canadian MLS teams, Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto, the Canadian Premier League teams, all eight of them. And then it is the champion of each province's semi-pro league. So, for example, there's a Canadian Premier League, and below that, which is a product of CSB, is League One. League One is supposed to be and has tremendous track record of success. 
a feeder league into the CPL. That's where the CPL, if you're an aspiring 18 year old player, if you're not doing the university thing, that's where you want to be. You want to be in league one, CPL will have eyes on it. And the champion of league one BC, league one Ontario, the Quebec version, they will be entered into this tournament and it's straight knockout. It's one game, random draw. The MLS teams in the past have got a bye. Uh, I've been told that that might change for this year. Maybe Forge might get a bye for winning the league, but it's random draw. The lowest teams in terms of seeding, the semi-pro teams, they enter at the first round and they have to be a professional club. And then if they somehow get past the professional club, like last year, a team called TSS Rovers, uh, managed to be Vala from Winnipeg in the Canadian Premier League. It was the biggest upset in the CanChamp, arguably ever. Uh, the game after that, they were beaten uh, by another CPL team. But yeah, it's a complete open competition. So this, I feel like, is why it's hard for people who didn't grow up watching soccer to get into it, because you could... Like, there's three different tournaments. Well, there's a league and two tournaments that one team could be in. So depending on when you watch them, the people they play against might be different or it might mean something else. So if you were starting out, like, say you're talking to a group of people, they just landed in Canada. Their favorite sport is cricket or football, like American football or basketball or hockey. Like, how do you... As a soccer fan, like, how do you start learning the game? Like, where do you even begin? I mean, it's a great question. Luckily, we are the most participated sport in the world and the most watched sport in the world. So that is a huge advantage. If you're from India, if you're from Japan, if you're from England, if you're from Mozambique, if you're from Sudan, wherever you're coming from, the likelihood is you have touched soccer in some way. You have watched a World Cup game. You have played FIFA on your PlayStation. You have kicked a ball around in the park at with your friends or at school. That's where I start from. I've recently started playing hockey. I'm 33. I started five years ago, two, two three years ago, maybe. Like I had to like start from scratch and like learn the rules. Like, I feel like you could pick up somebody from Paraguay and say, like, do you know the rules of soccer? And they'd be like, yeah, get the ball in the goal between the posts. Like, it is, the, the beauty of it is it's so simple and so accessible. You're normally starting with some, some kind of experience as low as just watching one World Cup game before. It's a huge so, advantage. So so when would you just say like pick a team and just follow one team and then you're gonna learn about how all the leagues and stuff work off of that? Yeah, I mean obviously I'm I'm biased. I, I massively believe in local and having a feel for a local club. And for the longest time in Canada, that just wasn't accessible for so many people. But now with the birth of the Canadian Premier League, if you're in Winnipeg, like you have a local club. Like they have colors, they have merch, they have social media, they have a mascot, they have players that you can get to know. They have principles and values that you can attach yourself to. Mm. So yeah, definitely Courtney is it's, it's picking a team, whether you want to go big and you want to decide that Real Madrid is your team because it's super accessible and you can watch it on TV 
and they've got the big stars, like absolutely go for it. Like no problem. But personally, I think finding your local club and trying to create that connection to the culture of that club is where we're going to have the most retention in my opinion. Yeah. And so you're talking about what you do. So what is, what is it that you do and how come you know so much about the beautiful game? No, I'm, I'm in charge. Well, not in charge, but I'm part of the business development team at Forge. So in case you haven't guessed by now, my job is to get people to fall in love with soccer on a daily basis. So I've been doing it for nearly four and a half, five years now. And my the Canadian Premier League is a, is a growing league, right? There's not lines of people uh, queuing up outside the stadium trying to get in. There's not, Ticketmaster doesn't crash because of demand, like I have to create that demand and I have to create new fans every single day. So that's what I do for Forge. I just bring in fans of the club and revenue in mm. a million different ways. Yeah. And so, I mean, Forge FC and CPL just finished their fifth season. Also the club that uh, I'm a part of. Now, how would you say the CPL has grown over its first five years? and just the dynamic of the soccer ecosystem in Canada, like how has that changed over a recent time? Because I felt like watching men's national team this year, or was it this year? Yeah, there was just so much more hype and excitement around it. Maybe it's because I'm closer to it, but it felt like it was being promoted more on TV. You know, the World Cup is around the corner coming uh, to to a to a stadium near you here in North America, I feel like Canadian soccer is on the rise. Similar, reminiscent to how basketball felt like it came up over the last decade or so in this country. But how do you how do you think the CPL has grown, and and do you think that's played a role in the the changing tides of domestic soccer here? Yeah, this is the golden era of Canadian soccer. It's the golden era. So I use myself as, as the example. I came to Canada in 2017 as a soccer fanatic, right? Born and bred into the game, live and breathe it every day. I moved to Hamilton, Ontario, and I was like, okay, where's my local team? Toronto. I'm like, okay, TFC. Now, if you come to Canada or if you're in Hamilton, you want to seek out your local team, you can. It's in your city. There's eight cities blessed with local CPL soccer. So first of all, it's more accessible than ever. In 2017, I went to watch a Canada soccer game, the men, against St. Kitts and Nevis at BMO Field. I bought a ticket the day of. It was $20. And I'm not kidding you, there was probably 4,000 people there, maximum. Nobody, nobody cared at all. Nobody cared. I told my friends I was going, they're all hockey boys and football guys. And they were like, why, why are you going? Like, it's, it's going to be awful. And I went, and the experience wasn't great, but I was kind of like immersed in the culture a bit more. Then the women on the women's side. The women have been one of the best teams in the world for a very long time. Olympic gold in the last couple of years. They qualify for World Cups. They have world-renowned stars in the women's game, like Christine Sinclair, who just retired. The men start to pick up. There was a guy called Afonso Davis. You guys have probably heard of him. He burst onto the scene, and he's the best Canadian men's player of all time. And he's probably 23 or 4. Is that, is, is that a unanimous opinion? 
it's it's not even a close debate. It's not even close. This mm -hmm. team right now is the best team that Canada has ever had. They went to a World Cup for the first time since 1986. The, the first qualifying games in that round to qualify for the World Cup, Milan Boy and the captain came out and called out Canadians. At BMO Field, there, were, there was more blue of El Salvador than there was red of Canada. And that was in the first home game. He called them out and was like, where is everybody? By the final game, just before like the game they could have, uh, they had to win to qualify against Jamaica, you could not get a ticket. You could not get a ticket. There were people, my friends, those hockey guys and those football guys that laughed at me for going to St. Kitts in 2017, asking me how to get tickets, begging me, have you gotten in? You work in soccer. Can you help me? I need a ticket. And it's everything together is just building up to this crescendo that is the 2026 World Cup. Everything is leading towards that. The semi-pro level is better. Every, the standard of the CPL gets better every single year. We've seen CPL teams beat MLS teams in the Canadian Championship. Forge have played in CONCACAF and gone deep. Like This is the golden generation, and this is the golden era. So Canada soccer is on the rise. Definitely. And it is exciting to watch. I mean, we watched the CPL Championship game at Tim Hortons Field, and it was one of the like non-biased it was one of the most exciting live sporting events i ever watched in my entire life they play 90 minutes to a draw go into extra time the away team calgary scores okay so forges down in overtime and then they score on a free kick and then they scored again on a corner kick to win the game all in overtime. It was crazy. It was like, and there was how many people there in the tennis? Like 10,000 people came out to watch that match. Do us justice. 13. <laughs> he said count though. 13,000 people. Yeah. So that just goes to show that, I mean, the fans exist. I mean, the people are there. And obviously, like you mentioned, soccer is a thing that so many people have some kind of experience with given that Canada is a country that's really made up of a lot of folks who came from other countries. I know uh, my father came here from another country. Jimmy, I know your family came here from another country. Tom, you yourself came here from another country and everywhere else in the world, soccer is usually the biggest sport. Um, so you might have a team and it just might be like another team, but I think it's cool that we we're developing opportunities for us to have our, our own teams and a club in a club level and then also cheering for the national teams both of them i feel like that that also gives people a sense of pride the olympics um it's always a time when people rally together because you have something in common and then now that you have soccer as something that we actually have like a viable chance to to put on an entertaining product i think that also is pretty exciting to think about so you'll be i i i I guess you're going to be going to the World Cup matches when they're here, regardless of if Canada's playing or not. Yeah, I would I would fight tooth and nail to watch Iran against the Seychelles. Like, <laughs> I, I don't care who I'm watching. I'll pick a team and I will go and it will be... It's a, it's a bucket list thing to watch a World Cup game. So me and the rest of the country and the rest of the world 
are going to be on the hunt for those tickets. That's for sure. So what does Canada have to do to keep leveling up our, our soccer from in, in anything like infrastructure, um, funding, broadcast, coaching? Like, where do you see gaps? Where, where are places that we've made strides? And where do you see gaps? Like, what are the next steps? There's, there's a, the biggest gap you will ever see is the lack of a women's league. So the World Cup just passed. There were two nations at the World Cup that did not have their own domestic league. It was Haiti and Canada. The fact that Canada doesn't have its own national league is frankly an embarrassment. So if we're talking about growing the game and if we're talking about keep, keeping this momentum going, there has to be a women's league. There's a project at the moment called Project 8 Sports that's run by a lot of former uh, Canadian women's uh, national team players. They're trying to get a league off the ground. I fully support it and hope that that comes. Uh, but that's the biggest gap. I mean, we have the CPL. The CPL is great. It's given opportunity for employment to players that fall through the cracks, to physiotherapists, to people on the business team, to marketing guys and girls, it, it's it's amazing. But we, we'd be insane to think that we can't do that on the women's side as well with the, I know Courtney, you said off air, uh, you guys spoke about the NWSL, right? Not long ago, a couple of episodes ago. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. that needs to be replicated in Canada. Now on the men's side, um, we need more teams in the CPL. We need fresh investment and we need to keep keep pushing we need to keep selling tickets and jerseys and asking more from corporate sponsors and honestly everything boils down to infrastructure and what pays for infrastructure is money mm -hmm. so this is the cpl i love it with all my heart but it is not the english premier league right we we need to to scrap we need to find new resources of revenue so we can grow this thing. But yeah, the biggest gap that we have in this country in the soccer landscape is a lack of a women's league. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think there's definitely an appetite for women's sports in general. We, we've talked before about the Professional Women's Hockey League that's starting up having their inaugural season in 2024. Uh, we've spoken about uh, NWSL and, you know, comparing them to the CFL on previous episodes with their, their broadcasting deals. Another headline that came out most recently is uh, there's been a new high watermark set for top contract in the NWSL. Um, a young young woman there got a contract $1.5 million over four years, I believe, three or four years. Those are numbers. Those are crazy numbers. Um, and that league has 12 teams. They're expanding to 14 shortly, but that's not... Um, it's not like, you know, when you look at the MLS who have, what is, I believe like 29, 30 teams, it's like over 20, 25 year old league. Like it's much, it's like, it's got a lot of history. It took its lumps. There's teams who almost went bankrupt, came back, had to get bought out by people. And now you have these celebrities coming in and purchasing franchises. And there's a lot of hoopla around the MLS. I see that sort, same kind of thing starting to happen with the NWSL. You have guys like Kevin Durant, who's investing in the league. You have other celebrities investing in the league. And I think the demand for women's sports is just undeniable. Even the returns on investment from investing in women's sports because of how undervalued they are. Um, that's been well documented by a lot of sports business outlets. So you're right, man. Um, 
I think Canadians are no different. We love our women over here and we love our sports. Why not? So I think there are, there's obviously some things that make it harder than just, you know, a push of a button. You got to have the right ownership group for a franchise. Got to have the facility to play in where you can, you know, sell premium, have food and beverage. But uh, if the CPL can prove anything, it's that there's where there's a will, there's a way. Because you've been to some of these other venues in the CPL and comparing Tim Hortons Field to, say, uh, a Halifax or something like that, there's different ways to to get it done. Can you talk a little bit about maybe what what does it take to have a successful team at the professional level in Canada? Not everybody needs to have a 100,000-seat stadium. Yeah, no, not not at all. But, yeah, the that's the biggest issue in Canada is facilities. So if you've ever heard our... You know, you ever heard our commissioner do a Q&A with fans? Rightfully so. Fans are like, hey, Mark, where's the next franchise? Where's the next expansion? And he'll say to you, you know, show me a stadium and we'll talk. There's there's a massive lack of stadiums in Canada. But yeah, we I've been out to Halifax twice now. They have planning permission granted for a brand new stadium that's coming in the next couple of years. Um, but for right now, they play in a temporary stadium with no running water, with concessions that has to be brought in, no bathrooms. The suites are uh, shipping containers. The suites are the most basic thing you've ever seen. It's general admission in one of their in their biggest grandstand, and they literally have picnic benches on lawns. They have seven and a half thousand people in there every single week. They are the highest attended game, the highest attended venue, sorry, in the Canadian Premier League. They recently hosted a women's match, a Canadian women against, I think, Brazil. Oh, was that part of Christine Sinclair's uh, going away tour type thing? Yeah, it sold out in 15 minutes. So, like, you don't need, we're blessed at Tim Hansfield. Like, we are blessed. Is it perfect for what we need now? No. But like, man, these guys bring in ice. Like they rent ice from companies because they, they can't freeze their own ice. They don't have the facilities. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So you don't, we don't need ready-made stadiums. I, I went to Vancouver. Uh, they're a brand new team, the newest team in the CPL. This was their first year. Uh, and they have a a stadium uh, that basically can have layers added and taken away. So it's very temporary feeling. It doesn't feel very luxurious. It doesn't feel very premium or anything like that. But it is so temporary. Think of it as like Lego. So right now their stadium holds 8,000. And they didn't know what the first year would be like. So they went with 8,000. And if they got 8,000 every week, they could expand and make it 10. And if what's happened has happened where they didn't get 8,000 every week, they're going to take a layer off, which is going to make it feel a lot more full, a lot more carnival kind of atmosphere. People are going to be near each other. It's going to feel a bit more community you know, focus. And then when they're at that 8,000, they'll add that layer back on. So there's inventive ways that we can do it. Oh, Lee, I didn't even know that that was possible, but that's that's exciting, man. So, Jimmy, I feel like you just got a, a crash, super crash course in uh, 
the Canadian soccer landscape and just, you know, just in general where we're yeah. going right now. But like, what, what are you thinking right now? What's on your mind? Well, honestly, I don't really have any questions, but I'm very intrigued now because like, I like sports and before I always felt like I needed to follow like a real Madrid or whatever. And I don't have time to like look for real Madrid games or even like the, the time difference. I'm, I'm not staying up watching one of those games, but learning that there's like a bunch of CPL teams that I can follow in my own local community. And there's so much soccer. I didn't know that they were playing in like a CPL league and then they're playing against MLS teams. Like that's very interesting. I think there's a lot of soccer that's available for anybody that wants to get into the sport. Like are these televised, are the games televised uh, like nationally or locally? So this this is the can of worms that I'm not going to open unless invited to. But basically, come on, come on with it, baby. Come on. Basically, basically, there's there's a, a dispute between TSN, Canada Soccer Business, which is the organization that me and Courtney, by extension of the CPL and Forge FC, work for and represent. Uh, TSN, by all accounts, passed up on the CPL during its inception, which created the birth of One Soccer. And One Soccer is a Canadian soccer platform that you have to pay for, unless you have a phone contract with TELUS, or if you have Fubo, which a lot of people use to watch European soccer, including the English Premier League, One Soccer is loaded onto Fubo at no extra charge. But it, Jimmy it is not available to the masses. It's not available. You can't sit down on TV and just flick through the channels and stumble across the Canadian Premier League. You have to go out and find it. Is there like a is there? I, I would assume that a Canadian network would want to pick up on soccer. It's what it's literally the biggest sport in the world. Is there a particular reason why they're not interested in acquiring the broadcast rights? I mean, I'm not sure now we go into year six. A lot has changed. Uh, the league has got better for sure. Uh, players are paid more. There's more fans in the stadium. There's more followers on all the social media platforms. Like everything's bigger and better. But I just think at the time, the, the straight facts are that they didn't believe in it. Wow. So who knows if that's changed? Because TSN carried until Apple TV. They carried a lot of MLS. Mm -hmm. They showed a lot of uh, national team games for men and women. And now One Soccer has taken that on board and One Soccer are basically saying like, hey, if no one else will show it, we're going to create a whole new channel where you can watch everything that's Canadian under one roof. So there's positives for and against because without One Soccer, Jimmy, nobody can watch anything ever. But there's the argument that you know, we need people to stumble across a Forge game on TV and go, dang, it's 3-2 and it's the 50th minute. This looks fun. Yeah. And then they want to watch and find out more. So. Yeah. In any in any business, distribution is a key part of the, the, the strategy. So you definitely need a way to get your product to more people. And I think you, you, you nailed it, though, because a lot has changed since its inception. Before it was a concept. Now there's five years proof of that concept trending in a certain direction the direction is up you know stats that i like to point to is from 2022 to 2023 the season tickets at forge fc were up over 40 percent and i think 
when people vote with their wallet, that's a true indication of the interest level. And so it would be interesting to see what happens when the uh, media rights for the CPL do come up for renewal, because I look at another league that is a similar age, if not the exact same age in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. And 2023 was their first year on linear with uh, TSN broadcasting their games. And I think going from having their games free to access on a mobile app only, or some games being played on CBC and going to getting on TSN, which is Canada's largest sports provider, them and then uh, Sportsnet. I think that's a huge leap and it probably brought a lot of attention to the CEBL that they didn't previously have. I don't know the numbers, but I would have to assume so. So when the uh, one soccer's ownership or license of the you know CPL media rights does come up for renewal, uh, I'd be interested to see if TSN is able to pick it up because what else is on TV these days except sports and the news? Those are the two things that people turn on the TV for. 100%. Yeah. Um, I, I'd be interested. I, I'm in a weird spot where I have loyalty to one soccer, but I also understand that to reach people like Jimmy, we, we, we gotta, we gotta do more. Right. So yeah, it will be interesting when it's up. I don't know when that is. I imagine it's just before the world cup because everything seems to be timed mm. to be renewed just before the world cup for the, biggest bargaining chip and the biggest bargaining power and leverage the heck out of that thing. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens on that one. Okay. So Tom, uh, where can people find out more about Forge FC? I know you're always posting on LinkedIn, given the updates about the club and all of that kind of information, but um, tell people where they can find out more about anything that we talked about today that you think is, uh, would be of interest. I think it, well, I was going to say in 2023, we're essentially in 24 now, like 23, 24, like we have to be pointing at social media, surely. So at Forge FC Hamilton, you're going to find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, whatever your chosen platform is. And honestly, that's what I always say to fans, Courtney, like not everyone can be a season ticket holder. People have got kids, people have got families. People have got other things they like to do, and that's okay. But like, if you can follow your local club on social media and come out to a couple of games a year, like you're doing more than the average Canadian, like by a mile. So like, at Forge FC Hamilton on your chosen social media platform, you won't miss a beat. You'll see every goal. You'll see all the the new jerseys. You'll see communications about this, that, and the other. You'll see exciting content that you know, it's going to grab your attention as a non-soccer person. It's not all stats and facts and figures. You know, this guy has scored 15 goals with his right foot and three with his left foot. Like it's, it's engaging stuff like for the, for the casual fans. So like, I don't know where else to, to point to other than our social media platforms. And if people want tickets, they go to Tom Walker at LinkedIn.com. There you go, baby. Honestly, T Walker at ForgeFootball.club. Best deals in town. There you go. All right, Tom. I appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to watching that that match versus Guadalajara uh, mm. in in Hamilton. I'm hoping it's extra frosty that day because, uh, man, the Mexican boys, the Guadalajara is one of the oldest teams in North America. Um, 
they've actually won the CONCACAF Champions Cup. It was it never used to be called Champions Cup or was it? I think it was a Champions League most recently. Either yeah. way, they've won it before. So they're good. They're very good. And um, it will be quite the opponent. But if Forge is able to take them down or give a good showing, I think that'll be a huge step for the club. I, you know what? It'd be a huge step for Canadian soccer as a whole. So I'm looking forward to that. I know you'll be there, man. Yeah. Wednesday, February the 7th, 8 p.m. Circle it on your calendars, folks. All right, Jimmy, you got anything else before we skate? No, that's it for me, man. Cool. All right, Tom, we appreciate it. Until next time, we'll catch y'all later.